Welcome back to the Wrath of Khan Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and discuss Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan, one troubling minute at a time. I'm David Stoker. And I'm Chris LaSalle. Hey, Chris. Welcome back. Hey, Dave. Happy Monday. And to you, sir. So we are uh, joined by a troubling guest from (laughs) Five Minutes of Trouble, uh, Josh Horowitz. Hello. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes. Welcome. Yeah. We are glad to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yep, thanks for coming on, Josh. Appreciate it. So we are moving on to minute number 88, and this minute starts with the Enterprise completing her Z-10,000 descent and ends with Kirk telling the crew, look sharp. Yeah, look sharp. <laughs> yeah. So this is a this is another one of those minutes where it's like light on the... Dialogue heavy on the visuals. Now, did you guys discuss in previous minutes about the source for this whole idea of the you know the chase and the Mutara Nebula? A, a little bit. I know that it was. Uh, I think it was inspired by uh, the Enemy Below, which is you know right. submarine kind of U boat chasing yeah. uh, movie. But we didn't get. I didn't go into too much detail with it, so I don't. I don't know any of the specifics. Yeah, I haven't actually seen that movie, but I when I was watching the, the minute and watching the film again, I noticed that they were talking about that. Um, yeah, apparently it was that 1950s movie, and then they uh, it also inspired a Star Trek episode, Balance of Terror. Yes, yes. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's a neat scene. I, I mean, just just the visuals that we see in this one, and and the you know the whole tension about not being able to see the other ship. Uh, you know, I remember when I first watched this movie. Uh, this this was a really cool part. I'm I'm glad I got these minutes. A lot of action coming up. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it it, it just makes you think of old sea time battles. I mean, I know that in that movie in particular, it was a boat versus a you know a sub. Mm-hmm. And here, obviously, we have you know ships that can go in any direction, but it still has that same sort of suspenseful feel, like where are they going to come from? They could come, and we even saw that in the last few minutes where the Reliant and the Enterprise basically come head-to-head at one point and, you know, phasers are fired and everything, but I, I, I love that this, they, they debilitated both ships to the point where hmm. there are no sensors, there's no visuals, there's no shield, so it's basically, you know, your wits and whoever can get the lock first. <laughs> Though it's interesting, uh, you know, the, all these systems are down, but of course, the spotlight that shows off the ship's <laughs> number, that's still working. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Josh, it's funny. I had one of my notes in this minute because it's so, um, you know, again, it's just the ships kind of crawling around through the nebula looking looking for one another. And one of my, my notes was, why don't they turn off their lights? Wouldn't that be a <laughs> another way to kind of stay, try and, if you want to stay hidden, yeah. maybe just turn off all those lights. And um, But no, neither of them do. They're all blasting it to, they get the flashing lights and the strobes. And um, it's a great question. <laughs> You know, the, the lights that we see on these ships in these Star Trek movies, it, it, it's a bit of a different feel than what we get in movies like Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm sure they have lights on the Star Destroyers and stuff, but, but you don't really have these spotlights that kind of show off parts of the ship. Uh, you know, that, that's a very Star Trek thing. Kind of neat to see. Yeah, it's, it is. And it's kind of, I guess I've always took, taken that as, um, uh, you know, kind of an extension. I think I've talked about it before, like an extension of you know, Star Trek is in our future, right? Mm-hmm. This is presumably where we're going, and so um, you know, I think these are just kind of touches of of you know how 
how ships are, are lit and how airplanes are lit and you know they have flashing strobe lights so they, like why would you need a flashing strobe light in space right <laughs> you know we, we know why they have it on planes you know so you can see them and they don't collide with one another but um hmm. so i think the I, I think those are just touches that are you know just carried forward from from present day would be right. how i read it hmm. well, yeah it's it's of that era i mean they only you know we think of like all the great books and stuff that have been written you know in the past that talk about the future but when you try to visualize that they probably were like okay how do we show a full-fledged starship well it's got to be like an airplane you know it's got to have the running lights it's got to have those blinking lights mm-hmm. you know that's what we see and that's what and like to your point chris yeah it is our future our immediate future it's not you know it's not like star wars where it's in a galaxy far far away so it's it does have to have those elements grounded in our in, in our present yeah but yeah i agree why don't they turn the running lights off that totally would make <laughs> sense uh so I like I do like these shots. You know, they, they've, we've had some great ones over the past few minutes of the ships moving around. But you know, <clears throat> we have the Reliant coming out of the you know coming out of the darkness. Yes. All the lights first. That's like the very first thing you see is just lights, yeah. and then it all kind of comes into view. Um, and that other shot of it just kind of like, and it looks like it's passing over the nebula, right? Even though it's they're right, they're yeah. in the heart of it. But uh, just that lonely shot of uh, of the Reliant cruising by and. Um, and that's where you yeah, and that, so nebula, that, that, that spiral down the bottom is moving, which is, I think, fantastic, too, which gives it more dimension. Right. And that's where you guys got your uh, your look for your title of the podcast, isn't it? That, that iconic sort of top-down shot of the Reliant crossing the nebula? Yeah, that's what like we were that. thinking when, yeah. We, yeah, when we designed the logo. We were, I, my thought was, what is the, one of the most iconic things, you know, from that? It's, it, to me, was like the... the the nebula fight at the end so the colors and the you know the reliant and them circling around mm-hmm. that's where the inspiration came for yeah yeah that's no, neat i like the rings in the center <laughs> yeah agreed um you guys maybe uh just going back to talking about the the enemy below and the submarine and stuff you may you maybe th- i had a thought which which do you think if you were going to uh, assign uh one ship to be the submarine and one to be the the battleship above who who would be who in your eyes hmm. i would think that maybe the enterprise is the submarine it's because in the sense it's kind of hunting uh the reliant just like the submarine is is hunting the uh, uh the I, I guess the destroyer though in a sense i mean it, it really is it could go either way i mean they're both kind of hunting yeah i only i agree with you that i think the enterprise is the sub but i and I think part of that is because they do more of that hunting than maybe the Reliant does, where the, I think feel like the Reliant's just sort of flying blind around there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's something that we said last minute or a couple of minutes ago where uh, it talks about two-dimensional thinking. Mm-hmm. And I always think of, uh, and we had a little bit of discussion on, on, the Facebook, uh, on the Facebook page where, you know, Khan is from that era of two-dimensional thinking, of horizontal. So to me, I think of him as like, he's the captain of the ship on the ocean going horizontally and i think of kirk thinking that three-dimensional going down coming up coming around Hmm. and i think of him more sub-like huh yeah that's interesting yeah could be i went i went both ways um (laughs) and initially i was thinking reliant was the sub because reliant was the you know quote-unquote bad guy uh so lurking down below and the enterprise was was up top but then I immediately kind of, as I was thinking through the battle, yeah, the, one of the, this, 
major tactic that Kirk pulls of of lowering the ship, you know, down below ten thousand meters, mm-hmm. that immediately puts it into you know into sub mode, right? It's now it's now going around and under or over uh, reliant. So um, I've gone both ways. <laughs> yeah, I can see it going both ways as well. Yeah. And then we get that scene where we, uh, you know, we see Khan and he clasps his hand together. And uh, is, is he a praying man, do you think? <laughs> well, that's, that was one of my questions going into this was, is he praying to a god? Is he, hmm. you know, we all know he has the superior intelligence, the superior everything. Like, is he like now, is it he's praying or is he like hoping because he's out for vengeance now? Hmm. And, you know, he's like, I need to, you know. I need to get vengeance for, you know, Joachim and the rest of the crew that died. Hmm. Basically for everyone. Yeah, I still think that uh, this would have been a a much shorter movie if he had just sort of, you know, once he had his ship, you know, he takes Joachim's advice and he just says, you know what, you're right, we have a ship, (laughs) we're free, let's just go, we'll we'll do this vengeance thing another time. Let's get out of here. (laughs) We're out of here. (laughs) Um... I I had the same thing. Uh, question mark was is is he clasping his hands in prayer? Um, but he's also kind of I don't know doing this heavy breathing or this deep breathing. He is a heavy breather. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking maybe it's maybe it's like a um, you know more like a stress reduction technique. You know, he's just trying to center himself and be calm and try to focus. He's trying to focus himself to like what would Kirk do? What's Kirk doing now? Trying to figure out what his his adversary is up to. So I, I was taking it that way. I don't. I don't he's see almost Khan as a, he's almost willing the the reliant to find you know he's pouring all you know all of his energies mental energy into finding the enterprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't see Khan as a uh, a religious man I'd see him being much more I don't know pragmatic and you know mm-hmm. um, well yeah I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I don't know how much you guys talk about any of the you know the expanded universe stuff, you know, for, for Star Trek, and God knows there's enough of that, probably twice as much <laughs> as there is for Star Wars. I, I usually don't don't really delve into that. I'm more of a Star Wars person, but I, I did actually listen to an audiobook version where they talk about, uh, you know, Khan's origin. I don't know what's canon, what isn't, but, you know, I, I guess he, he was supposed to be, uh, you know, from India originally, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe his background actually is, uh, you know, some sort of you know religious thing having to do with mm. Hinduism. Who knows? <laughs> People are yelling at us right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, he is. A, <laughs> Come on, you should know this. <laughs> um. So yeah, we get the staticky view screen again, right? Um, and then they, I think they cut back to Khan right after we we look at the static for a while, and I was. I was very excited because Khan actually squints. <laughs> and I've been talking about it through all these minutes since everybody's been in the nebula, the two ships cruising around. Everyone's looking at the view screen and no one is squinting. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all that's all I do every time the the, uh, the view screens come on. I'm like, is there something there? Is there something there? You've got to squint to see. <laughs> um, so I was very happy that Khan finally, somebody finally squinted. It was Khan. Yeah. Did, have you guys also discussed about how the fact that uh, Ricardo Montalban... Uh, you know, he, he never actually comes face-to-face with Shatner, that all of these scenes were just yeah. kind of performed separately. Right, yeah, that's that was one of the, I think, the first things, yeah, in the minutes that we talked about that we were both, like, through our research, we were surprised at, like, that, you know, Khan basically, you know, or Ricardo Montemont basically is, you know, performing to nobody. Yeah. And he just has, and I remember uh, seeing one of the, 
the extras on the on the DVD or the Blu-ray where it ta- he talked about like, you know, he he found it hard to get into character sometimes because, you know, he was bouncing this off of a girl, hmm. and you know he's supposed to be talking to a great captain of another vessel, and he said it was hard sometimes to be like, okay, say that line again, you know, <laughs> and I just found it funny how he uh, how he did that. Yeah. Well, a testament to his, uh, you know, his good skills as an actor. I mean, yeah. Versatile yeah. type of stuff from Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, I, I agree. I think both the both the acting, the performances, or even you know Shatner, because uh, he's doing the same thing, right? He's mm-hmm. he's he's just talking to a blank view screen, um, and the editing. I think the they filmed all this stuff separately and the fact that they were able to edit this stuff together and it just right. it all flows and feels very there's no like you know awkwardness or awkward pauses or anything that you could see how it could come up from a you know f- filming stuff in this order um yeah. uh, it all feels right i remember when i watched yeah. this the first time i never even thought of the fact that they're never on screen <laughs> literally together right so, yeah well, I, I feel like I feel like Shatner has so much more experience with this, you know. Obviously, with the show, and then he did. They did do the, you know, the motion picture. So he had infinite amount more hmm. experience talking to a blank screen, and than than Ricardo Montalban. So I feel like Ricardo Montalban's performance is that much more impressive, where he sort of stepped into the sh- into the movie and just sort of did it. Right. Yeah. Right. The other one too. I was. I just recently. Uh, the other. I, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, uh, the um, the sets that 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 something. It was either seventy five percent or eighty five percent of this movie was all filmed with one set, because the Reliant, the Enterprise, and the Kobayashi Maru Enterprise was all the same set, just redressed. Right. Hmm. And uh, so they were needing to save money to make this thing with you know this cheaper budget that they did. They the bulk of the film is just all on this one set, uh, which is pretty wild. Yeah, they just mess with the lighting a little bit to make it seem different. Yeah. Yep. Good. <laughs> so here's here's one thing, uh, Josh. You mentioned you know Kirk and, and or Shatner and Ricardo Montalban never you know acted with one with one another, mm-hmm. uh, but also the characters never interact with one another. Right? They're both on separate ships. Right. Um, they're never in the same room. Um, but in the uh, in the in the script development for for this, there was something like I don't know four or five different drafts for Rathacon and four or five different titles the film went through as as it went along. But in one of the drafts, um, uh, or in a couple of drafts, Khan has like telekinesis powers, or he can oh. he can um, mm. he can make people see things. Oh, um, weird. And in uh, the, the the main confrontation, and Dave, I don't think we've even talked about this. The no, main we confr- haven't. In this early draft of the script, the main confrontation is actually Khan and Kirk having a sword fight in oh, really? in a room. <laughs> yeah, having a hand to hand sword fight, and uh, wow. I think you know probably harkens back a little bit to their you know the the the, the fight scene in the engine room in Space Seed. Uh, but uh, hmm. <laughs> when I when I read that and, and found that, I'm like, ooh, I. I I would have liked to have seen that. I think I could have enjoyed that. And does um, Sulu, Sulu come back shirtless and then he turns Yeah. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Uh, no, there wasn't much more than just kind of some bullet points of what that was supposed to be. But yeah, that would have been a great, a great touch. I like the music so, in this part too. You know, yes. Like, you know, the, the James Horner music, you know, the buildup when the Enterprise suddenly appears. Uh, you know, this, this is probably his best score, James Horner. 
you guys probably talked about the fact that uh, all of his scores pretty much sound like Star Trek too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Battle Battle Beyond the Stars and Crawl and Alien yeah, and Willow Alien. a little bit. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's such an awesome soundtrack. I, I'm I'm willing to forgive that it shows up again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, Josh, that's the where the music starts to swell is actually that same moment where we cut to the the uh, the exterior. We see the Reliant you know mm-hmm. hugely in the foreground and then the enterprise just comes you know drifting up from behind and uh, well just also just the way it comes up it doesn't just sort of like pop up it's sort of as it's coming up it's slowly turning to face the rear of the yeah. um and it, 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 it just every time i see this scene even watching it a minute at a time i get the chills because i'm like oh yeah i know what's coming next i know what's coming next <laughs> I, I never I, I totally agree, Dave. This is the this is the another moment where you'd be standing up cheering, right? You're yes. Like, yes. Like my hands are locked on the sides of the you know, on the sides of the, the movie theater and just being like slowly leaning forward as I'm being drawn into the into the screen because it's just so amazing. Hmm. Did you notice? I've never noticed before until just now. Uh, look, go, looking through this minute, um, as the Enterprise is coming up, it's actually like displacing. The nebula. You can see the cloud of the nebula kind of moving. Oh yeah, up and up and out of the way as it's coming over. So that, that's a a real nice touch there too. Just adds yes. to the the realism. Yeah, yes, it's such a great. The, the music comes up. And yeah. Yes. And I know we've given you know the filmmakers grief for some of the special effects they've done, but for the budget that they had at the time, and you know which was basically half to a quarter of what motion picture had, they they still found a way to put those little touches in. Hmm. Which is great. Do you like the uh, uh, the the little nineteen eighties <laughs> uh, military switch, the the caution firing switch that comes next? Yeah. <laughs> so the yellow and the I, black I, stripes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't get it though. Like I I get that it's like ooh it's a cool little thing it's a cool little touch you know pull out the little handle but what like what <laughs> like. Not the I, nuclear codes. I, I, we've never seen the, the, the little trigger before. We don't even, I mean, we even saw, I mean, we, I, I got wrong last minute where we were talking about the <laughs> torpedo stuff. And he has a whole control panel for the torpedo's control. Why does he need a, a separate little thing hidden away <laughs> in a little, you know, cabinet there that he's got to pull down? It just makes no sense. Well, I do like the ding sound that it makes when you when you open it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that it's cool, but I just to me it serves no purpose. Well, you got to remember though, guys, this is 1982, right? Yep. Uh, video game arcades were yes. still right all the rage, and for me, this is like, oh, uh, I want to play, you know, Wrath of Khan, the video game, and have that exact joystick yes. with that doorbell button on top (laughs) (laughs) you know and uh, but that's like totally plays up to like a video game console that's what i that's what i always kind of uh forgive it for (laughs) i i I, it makes you know uh, this isn't the 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 only time we see the joystick because it appears in one of the next generation movies where Riker has the the manual steering column pop up that's a joystick which again is totally ridiculous (laughs) but I, I yeah I like I said I see I get why this is here it just you you know like you said last minute like a couple of things pull you out Chris this pulls me out of it like uh, it's, it's just like one second of like oh god come on really 
Well, you, you realize that there's some untapped Star Trek merchandise right here. You know, imagine, you know, you have this thing in your car. You know, you use it during moments of frustration, you know, complete with little ding, little white button. You're right. This should be something I can buy on ThinkGeek, right? Get on that. Get the people on that. Yeah, put it on my desk and just, yep. you know, bing. You bother me. <laughs> so this is, so for me, <clears throat> check off, you know, once the joystick pops out you know he turns around and say torpedoes ready sir and we've definitely talked about this josh like multiple times like how much effort is it does it take to get these torpedoes ready <laughs> we've seen them lower torpedoes into a rack we've seen them having to lift the floor up to get yeah. these things loaded we've seen them having to uh pull all these switches on his dashboard and now he's got to yank out this joystick <laughs> it's like <laughs> could there be more safety security things wrapped around firing a photon uh, well we were talking before about you know is is the you know the the enterprise the the submarine <laughs> in that metaphor before but yeah. it is i mean this this is basically the same type of steps you'd see in a submarine movie you know, complete with everything going down the you know the loading tubes in the bay and everything yep right <laughs> good call yeah the only, only thing we're missing is two guys with keys that have to both turn their keys at the same time to open right. the doors or you know <laughs> well well that's my next that was actually my next question is when he pulls the little joystick out does yeah. a light go on a panel down in the torpedo control that said, uh, someone's pulled the joystick. We got to get ready here. You know, <laughs> like, right. because right. it's just the two of them talking, you know, when Kirk had said, you know, uh, sometime in the last minute about getting the torpedoes ready. And now he's saying torpedoes are ready. So mm-hmm. the only way they're communicating that he can fire them is if there's buttons or something down in torpedo control. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, you would think this is supposed to be the 23rd century. You'd think that all that would be automated by now. But. Uh, I totally agree, Josh. <laughs> totally. But then we wouldn't get the whole show of them alternating panels up from the... That's right. It's a very procedural movie, right? There's lots of... We get to see a lot of how things are done mm-hmm. uh, on the ship. <laughs> um, you know, when I was before, watching... Oh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Josh. When I was watching this yesterday, uh, just these minutes with my wife, she she speaks Russian, and so she heard uh, you know Chekhov give his line, and and she she liked the accent. <laughs> we actually went back to like other other minutes when he talks, and it's like, oh yeah, he sub- kind of substitutes his uh, his V's with W's, and you know, right. That's that's it. Now, did she did did she say that's a that's legit or a, or that's, it's a terrible accent? Well. That that's not correct. You know, that's a very sort of stereotypical Russian. But but on the whole, though, he gets it right. She thought that's good. <laughs> um, I just noticed for the first time uh, scrubbing through this when when uh, Chekhov does turn around and say, "You know, torpedoes ready." You can still see his ear is quite a mess, oh. <laughs> all kind of bloody and everything. I think the wad of gum that we saw earlier. That was stuck in his ear. Looks like it's gone. He must have pulled it out, but his ear looks pretty nasty, which it should, right? No, it's still there. Oh, it's still there. Yeah, it's my old eyes then. (laughs) That that was the one thing about this movie that I I used to not want to watch the movie when I was a kid because of that that whole part with the ears and the yeah the the seti eels. Oh God. It's easier now to watch it, you know. But but when you're a kid and you're impressionable, I mean, that that's nightmare stuff right there. And which which do you think was worse, Josh? Was it the the eels going in or the eel coming out? I, I think it was going in when they when they put uh, the eels in the yeah. helmets and then it kind of wiggles and. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. 
that eel no? got pretty big. Oh. That thing squeezing out your ear, man, that, ugh. Yeah. And all the blood and the jelly and stuff. Come, oh, God. Now we're going back. We, we need to move fast. Yeah, yeah. We, we already went through that minute where we were totally grossed out. <laughs> well, when we're talking about Chekhov, I actually have one other question. Is, is he then the dedicated torpedo guy, and then Sulu is the dedicated phaser guy? Oh, you know, I, maybe we've been trying to figure that out about who's responsible for shooting what. Hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, in this case, uh, he's definitely, Chekhov seems to be the torpedo guy. Um, and we've seen Sulu fire phasers from his station. Yep. Um, but it's been a little unclear because hmm. there's a cadet, too, that's, I think he's been allowed to take a shot or two. and um, But he sits off on the upper bridge, so we're not sure. Hmm. I think we've had many offline discussions about that where it just is not clear. Uh, so where do we go from here? We get Kirk and Savick just tense and ready, right? Uh, now the torpedoes are ready. Um, the Enterprise continues to get a bead on Reliant, that awesome exterior shot. Um, I like how we the, the camera also kind of uh, goes through. Uh, the Reliant, the body of the Reliant in that roll bar, you know, that kind of passes not over us this time, but we pass yep. kind of through it. Hmm. Uh, that was a nice touch. So, I'm going to back us up like 10 seconds here. So, <sighs> the, the music's building up. Yeah. The ship is slowly coming up, and how does it know it's there? How does it know now to come up? How does it know that it's in that direction and it needs to face. Like we've talked about, the visuals are down, there's no sensors or limited sensors. Um, You know, there's uh, really no way for them to know. I I know Spock in a couple of minutes ago had made a comment about the impulse turn, you know, but how how can they be absolutely sure? I was thinking about that. Um, And I think the, the the last, you know, the last thing we saw, Kirk called full stop and Z minus ten thousand. Actually, that's where we started the minute, right? The, yep. the Enterprise finishing its descent. I think. I think Kirk, just from his gut instinct, said, "Full stop. Just drop us." And he probably just counted, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Hmm. He's just. He just knows. He. I think he knew how fast Reliant was moving, and it was just giving Reliant time to pass by. Hmm. And then we don't see him actually give the order to go back up. But right, he just. He must have said go back up to where you were right so this is yeah. in, in my head he gave the more the order to go back up ten thousand meters and this is what we're seeing here is him popping up i can't explain the turn <laughs> other than it looks cool and it's a little dramatic um oh there's no doubt that it looks cool <laughs> but right how does he know to turn and and line himself up yeah. so so nicely with reliant well, I, I they have the, uh, they have the advantage of knowing that this is a it's a federation ship you know they know the kind of the speed and the the capabilities of this type of vessel and mm. so yeah i mean yeah he, he has at least that advantage right that, that spock said it himself right so that con is inexperienced and kirk has yeah. all this experience so it's, mm. i think it's just kirk knows he's got that instinct for uh when and where he needs to be and it's gotta yeah. be a little bit of, gotta be a little bit of luck too right yeah well because even so then we fast forward to the you know we see the static and then Kirk even says, "Look sharp." Like he's not—he's not even sure that they're going to be there. Yeah, his, has his—he's he, hoping his uh, his gut instinct has paid off, right? Right. I had to—I had a question about the music. Um, the uh, 
as as they're coming up is that mm-hmm. is that supposed to be the enterprise music or is that just the battle music um, I think that's more the battle music not quite the not, not quite con music but it's right. leaning more towards enterprise music but it's definitely battle music exactly that was my that's where I was going is there's definitely yeah. con music you know the real you know the, the all yes. the, the drum clicks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> And we do get David. Uh, you didn't you didn't mention it, but we do get one little bit of a uh, um, we get a little bit of the V'ger music right at the very end. Oh, oh, do we? Do we get a little wow? Yeah, wow. When they cut back that last shot, you get of the uh, of the view, of the view screen. Oh, that's right. You know what? I may have been so focused on the awesomeness of this last part of the minute that I will forgive it and may just not have noticed. Okay. Gee, it wonder, is there. So I wonder just, if that's if that's an homage to uh, the, the Goldsmith score, or if that was just like a sound effect that they, mm. they use for like weird things in deep space. Well, <clears throat> we talked about it a little bit. It is. It's actually an instrument. It's called the bla- uh, the blaster beam. It's this huge oh. metal instrument, with, like strung up like a guitar with wires. And, hmm. But you play it by basically whacking on it with hammers and metal objects. Um, and it was used. It was used specifically for. V'ger sound effects in yeah. the motion picture, but uh, Horner incorporated it into the score for this. Hmm. Um, but I haven't quite been able to... I, I think it's just... I don't think it's meant to be tied to any particular character. I think it's more just of atmospheric, like, you know, the ominous pauses or ominous points in the film is when, when you get to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neat. All right. <clears throat> well, that was all I had for this minute, guys. Do you have any other notes? No, I'm good. No, I'm good here. All right. Well, uh, Josh, do you want to uh, do you want to let folks know where they can find you and uh, any projects you're working on out there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can uh, find me and my co-host Brett Stillo on Five Minutes of Trouble. We uh, have the podcast where we discuss the film uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and instead of doing it one minute at a time, uh, we do it five minutes at a time. So please check us out at five minutes of trouble dot com, and on Facebook and uh, Twitter, we're on at uh, Five Minutes Trouble. So, yep. Uh, awesome. <laughs> All right, great. Great, great. Then, uh, folks, you can find us online as well. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. You can find us at the Rathacon Minute Listener Federation. Um, you can always drop us an email as well. We're at podcast at rathaconminute.com. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to be back again here on Wednesday uh, with Minute 89 of Star Trek Two here at the Rathacon Minute. 